understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. On this week's episode, we're going to look at the Canusa Classic happening next week. Results from Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. And look forward to some WD news along with the Evolution and Crown Jewel events. Whether you're joining me here on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Please make sure to subscribe and join us over on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling and Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We can be found on Twitter at Scumbags Canada and over on Instagram at Scumbags Wrestling. And if you happen to be around the London Comic Con next weekend, Come and join me in the wrestling zone, and we can chat some wrestling and be a part of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I'll be right back after these messages with the news you need to know involving Smash Wrestling. Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of Smash Wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. It's Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbag Podcast. Here at the uh, Western Fair Agriplex is the Canusa Classic coming up later on tonight. We're going to do a uh, live prediction. We've got Daniel right here. Give him the big old thumbs up. Uh, so we just finished uh, watching some ring action with Tyson Dukes Wrestling School. And so we're uh, now going to move on to before the Q&A with the ladies that are going to be taking part today. Daniel, how excited are you for the Canusa Classic? You seem to be uh, one that definitely loves the ladies wrestling. Yeah, can't wait. You got a chance to meet uh, Sue Young earlier. Yeah. I spent the last couple of uh, hours uh, driving uh, Lufisto and uh, Jordan Grace to their hotel and then coming back here this morning. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a good show. We'll get on to uh, 
challenge today. And who do you think might uh, answer that challenge? Who would you like to see answer that challenge? with each other or you know, just because of the 
impressive lately. Uh, we got Allison Kay, formerly Sienna, who was also at the uh, Kinusa Classic before, and she was just at May Young Tournament. And she's going to take on Cat Power, a uh, talent from the West Coast with, over in BC. And so, what do you got for that? she has to bring because well let's face it all these ladies who are here for this uh, tournament are definitely considered the top in North America whether they're representing Team USA or Team Canada so she's obviously got something going uh, that's really good to have her here and look forward to seeing what uh, she has to bring to the table tonight in one of the toughest matches to call I think is going to be Casey Spinelli, a Scumbags Wrestling uh, favorite, against Tessa Blanchard. You got Tessa, who is like a champion six times over on the independent scene. She's the current uh, Impact Knockouts champion. We met her at Super Showdown just recently. Uh, she took part at the uh, All In in Chicago. She's gone against uh, Brian Cage as well. The dude seems to love uh, battling the ladies. Himself. And so it's so tough to decide which way it's going to go. Who you got? Uh, definitely a hard pick. Uh, I'm going with Casey. Going with Sandy Cannon, going with Casey Spinelli. I have our Casey Spinelli uh, section signs tonight, and it's still hard to go Tessa Blanchard, and I think I'm going to have to go. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Casey, but I'm going to go with Tessa on this one. And then the main event that is not happening in the undead realm is actually happening here today at the Canusa. Excuse me, sir. We're going. Li we're live. That is uh, Maloney from uh, the Sharpshire. There you go, guys. Represent. What's going on? doing our uh, predictions for uh, tonight. We'll uh, backtrack and get your uh, thoughts on this at the moment. But we're in the main event. And we're we're in the main event and we're talking about uh, Allie against Sue Young. Who do you have? Uh, much as I like Allie, I'm so sure. You have been hunting down Sue Young for a while. You just met her a little while ago. And in her uh, neck from uh, Allie the other day and uh, Bound for Glory, which I don't know how many people actually saw that, but the Undead Realm has been really weird, and you got the whole uh, Demon Bunny stuff going on with uh, Rosemary and Allie. Chris, do you have any predictions? Sue. Sue Young? Sue all the way. Unless, hold on, unless by chance there's this to have maybe the bridesmaids here and have the demon show up and help out Allie just to end things and give the win to Team Canada regardless of how everything else happens beforehand and so yeah I'm going with Courtney Rush aka Rosemary coming out as well and helping out Allie and Allie getting the win Backtrack, a couple of the matches. What do you got for uh, Casey Spinelli against uh, Tessa Blanchard? Doing this all by degree. Um, no, I have it down below. 
Today, Cody Diener made an announcement regarding this month's Giver for Charity campaign. Together, we can stop bullying. For many months, he's been partnered with the Fear the Fighter and sold their merchandise with portions of the proceeds going towards putting bullying kids in self-defense classes. He's now decided to take it up a notch. October is National Bullying Prevention Month, and so throughout the month of October, He's decided that Giver for Charity will be raising funds for this cause and 100% of the proceeds he raises goes to the campaign towards putting bully kids in classes. He's told numerous heartbreaking stories 
from parents about what their kids have gone through on a daily basis. With this money, he'll be funding quality gyms for those kids in areas and putting them into uh, programs for children. He will personally be picking kids who he has met and heard stories about. This one hits home for him, and he's ready to take fight and go for it. To learn more about the Giver for Charity and how you can help, visit CodyDiener.com slash charity. Let's not just give her, guys. Let's give her for charity. We here at the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast definitely love to support Cody and his efforts. And this is an awesome charity to go for. Because I'm sure many of us in our lives as kids were bullied at one time. So with that said, we're going to go for our raffle again. With the t-shirt that we were raffling on April 29th after the Smash Wrestling event. It has been signed by all the stars that appeared on that card here in London, and we'll be uh, giving more details with that as the time goes on. Yo, this is Tarek. You listen to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. So those were our predictions going into the Canusa Classic happening this past Saturday night at the Western Fair Agriplex as part of uh, London Comic Con. I'd like to thank uh, Daniel and uh, Chris for being a part of uh, that. And uh, we all hung out uh, the rest of the afternoon as there was uh, some Q&As with the ladies of the Team USA and then the ladies of Team Canada in two separate interviews. Team USA featured Jordan Grace and Veda Scott, while Team Canada featured Cat Power, Nicole Matthews, and Lufisto. After that, there was a short Q&A with Sebastian Suave and Dylan Andrews. Unfortunately, the audio for it uh, was not very good considering the space we were in, and it didn't uh, really produce a good file that I could provide for this podcast. However, Daniel was able to do a video of it, and he has posted it on our Facebook page, which you can check out at Scumbags Wrestling. He has both the Team Canada and Team USA videos that you can uh, watch and hear the thoughts on everybody going into the Canusa Classic. After those interviews were done, Chris Maloney and I took in the Enzo Amore uh, Q&A panel in the main stage of London Comic Con. The panel was hosted by Smash Wrestling's Scott Hunter and uh, took over an hour, or just over an hour, uh, to do. And yeah, Scott pretty much didn't really do too much to moderate the uh, panel. Uh, Zenzo pretty much carried it himself. And I recorded the whole one hour of his talk and we'll be breaking it down into his different question segments over the next few weeks of this podcast. Then it was on to the main event of the whole weekend, the Canusa Classic. The following is our review of how the night went and all the results of the 6th Annual Canusa Classic. champion I said I was going to be consistent and I said I was going to be a workhorse but that's all lies it's a lie because the reality is my real name is Joe and I've been living with leukemia for 11 years and unfortunately it's back Because the leukemia is back, I cannot fulfill my role. I can't be that fighting champion. And I'm going to have to relinquish the Universal Championship. 
every prayer you can send my way, but I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for you to feel bad for me because I have faith. When I was 22 years old, I was diagnosed with this. And very quickly, I was able to put it in remission. But I'm not going to lie, that was the hardest time of my life. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a home. And I had a baby on the way. And football was done with me. But you want to know who gave me a chance? The team that gave me a chance was the WWE. to the main roster and I was on the road they put me in front of all of you the WWE universe and to be honest y'all have made my dreams come true and it didn't matter if you, you cheered me it didn't matter if you booed me you've always reacted to me and that is the most important thing and for that I have to say thank you so much is this a retirement speech? Because after I'm done whooping leukemia's ass once again, I'm coming back home. And when I do, it's not going to just be about titles and being on top. No, it's about a purpose. I'm coming back because I want to show all of you, the whole world, I want to show my family, my friends, my children, and my wife that when life throws a curveball at me, I am the type of man that will stand in that batter's box. I will crowd the plate, I will choke up, and I will swing for the fences every single time. Because I will beat this, and I will be back, so you will see me very, very soon. Once again, thank you so much. God bless you, and I love you. Believe that. As you just heard, Roman Reigns opened up Monday Night Raw this past week and revealed that he wasn't actually injured as some people had uh, assumed that he was, and it was actually a lot more serious than that, and he announced that after 11 years of defeating leukemia that had uh, returned, and he had no other choice but to head home, relinquish the title, and get medical attention and defeat leukemia again so after he made his announcement roman made his way up to the top of the ramp and uh, was met by seth and dean who were visibly upset and shaken as it seems that the only people who knew what was going to happen were the very inner circle of WWE, such as triple h Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn so they could produce that segment and everybody else was left in the dark and when Roman went backstage he was greeted by a lot of the superstars who gave him hugs and wished him well before he ended up leaving the building uh, it'll only be now a waiting game to see how things go medically for him and we hope here at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast that uh, that is not a long wait, and he's able to return healthy and ready to compete again. The rest of the highlights of the past week included on Raw with Paul Heyman coming out and 
discussing what had happened with Roman Reigns and then turned it into what was going to happen with the title was Brock Lesnar will now challenge Braun Strowman one-on-one for the vacant undisputed championship. Braun Strowman came out and was totally now baby-faced for sure. And he ended up uh, confronting Heyman only to turn around and get a Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre. Elias, after defeating Apollo Crews, came back out also and to do another concert because he's always interrupted. And he got interrupted again by Baron Corbin, who, in their interaction, ended up turning Elias into a babyface. So Strowman and Elias are now on the face side in the main event of Raw. Drew and Dolph defended the tag team titles against Seth and Dean Ambrose. And in that very hard-fought battle, Ambrose and uh, Rollins ended up becoming the new tag team champions, only for Ambrose to quickly do a Dirty Deeds DDT on Seth and attack him multiple times before exiting through the crowd. So on a night where... It kind of took the era of the building with Roman's announcement. We then had the ending with Dean Ambrose turning his back on his other S.H.I.E.L.D. member. And he has some explaining to do of why he finally did it, even though it was hinted at uh, numerous times and rumored to have been happening at uh, Survivor Series. They pulled the trigger on that night. And it was a huge uh, thing for the evening to be bookended like that on two very shocking moments. Ra also had the signing of the contract between Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella for Evolution. And an in-ring discussion with DX and was interrupted by... Undertaker and Kane in a graveyard. SmackDown didn't really have too much highlights to it, and the Mae Young Classic came down to Eero Shirai and Tony Storm winning their matches to advance to go to Evolution. WWE did make an announcement this week that they were going to continue with Crown Jewel being from Saudi Arabia, even though they're still not saying the word Saudi Arabia on WWE TV. But they did make a statement uh, for everybody to know that it was still going to happen there this Friday. Which you can catch at 11 o'clock for a pre-show and noon here in uh, North America for the actual show on Friday afternoon. We'll just have to actually see who does make the trip. As there have been rumors that John Cena and Daniel Bryan are now refusing to go on the pay-per-view. However... That makes it interesting when John Cena is one of the members of the eight going to compete for the Best in the World World Cup trophy, which is all U.S. Uh, citizens, including Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins, and Dolph Ziggler. Plus, then you have... AJ defending against Daniel Bryan because Daniel won the number one contendership at Super Showdown. And then on top of that, the rest of the card has the Brothers of Destruction taking on DX and the tag team titles on SmackDown as the bar defends against New Day. Later on today, they're going to be announcing what the brackets are for the Crown Jewel uh, tournament. And finally, involving WWE at the moment, uh, Hulk Hogan had made a statement that he's looking forward to making a trip to Saudi Arabia. So it appears though Hulk Hogan is going to be making his first television appearance since, I believe, 2015 on WWE TV this Friday. Feel free to share your thoughts on what's going on with Crown Jewel and the return of Hulk Hogan uh, on our Facebook page or send us a tweet at Scumbags Canada.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. A revolution started in the WWE. All of you have inspired people all over the world with your courage, with your passion, with your unbridled talent. WWE is social commentary for the world, and to effect real social change, this is the place to do it. It took every woman from the day WWE started having women's wrestling until now. And I was like, I hope that one day I get to change the way people look at us. I want to make women's wrestling the coolest thing on TV. It's not like, you're a girl, you can't do this. No, you go in there like Wonder Woman, and you're going to conquer In WWE news, last night was the first ever Women's Evolution pay-per-view. WWE's boasted first ever all-women's event. The hour-long pre-show was hosted by Renee Young, Paige, and Beth Phoenix, with a little bit of rotating of people throughout the hour as the fourth person on the panel. Uh, Backstage, there was a red carpet sort of introduction special with the ladies dressed in their uh, sort of evening gowns and giving their opinion on what it means to be part of this evolution. The crowd at Nassau Coliseum were hot and very into seeing what was going to happen tonight in this first ever women's event. The first match of the night was the tag team uh, match with Lita and Trish taking on the team of Alicia Fox and Mickey James. Alexa Bliss had been pulled from the match earlier in the week as she was suffering from a concussion injury. Alexa did come out and made fun of the age of Lita and Trish, who are actually my age of 42, so it wasn't uh, that they're that old. She introduced Mickey and Alicia as the true pioneers of the revolution. At one point, the heels tried to leave, but Trish and Lita did not allow that to happen. Everybody got back into the ring, and the ending came with a lead assault, and a chick kick to Mickey James, with Lita and Trish picking up the victory. Up next was the 20 Women Battle Royal that featured the majority of the SmackDown women's locker room, minus Becky and Charlotte, along with the rest of the ladies from Raw, and then the icons who are returning, including Alundra Blaze, Ivory, Molly Holly, Michelle McCool, Tori Wilson, and Kelly Kelly. Billy Kate and Peyton Royce were the last ones to be introduced, which actually all ladies got a ring entrance and called down to the ring individually with their own music and video, as opposed to some of the other times when they have a battle royal and they've done backstage segment and come back and introduce the last four women to be put in there as to try and speed things up. With the amount of time they had, they gave homage to each of them, and they got their proper introduction. The Iconics ended up running down everybody in the ring, but mainly targeted the returning superstars. As a result... When the bell rang, the returning stars all ganged up on the Iconics and quickly got rid of them, sending them to the floor as the first two eliminated from the Battle Royal. But then it was the turn of the current crop of superstars that surrounded the returning veterans, and the brawl quickly started, and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville teamed up to eliminate a whole handful of the returning divas, including Molly Holly, Kelly Kelly, and Tori Wilson, all before Mandy Rose quickly got rid of Sonya Deville, who had gone over the top rope 
and she just pushed her off. In the end, it came down to Nia Jax, Tamina, and Ember Moon fighting to be the last woman standing. Ember Moon was able to get rid of Tamina, and then they went into the ropes with Ember Moon and Nia Jax. Unknowingly, Selena Vega was not eliminated, and she tried to push both Ember and Nia over the top rope. She got them over and thought she was in the clear and had won the match, only to turn around and find Nia standing right in her way. Nia got rid of Zelina and then was about to go after Ember and did finally eliminate Ember Moon to become the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. The finals for the Mae Young Classic were next as Io Shirai took on Tony Storm. For the 10 minutes that the match was, it was a really good match with a lot of offense and defense from both women and a top rope moonsault onto the floor from Shirai to Tony Storm. Shirai even kicked out of a tiger bomb, but in the end, Shirai missed another moonsault and landed on Tony's knees, and Tony hit another Tiger Bomb to get the victory and become the second Mae Young Classic winner. Up next was the six-woman tag team match featuring Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalia teaming to go against the Riot Squad of Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. This was all based on the Riot Squad harassing Natty to the point that she ended up getting Bailey and Sasha to be by her side to go against the Riot Squad. The Riot Squad focused on Bailey for the first while and did a lot of tags in and out and keeping Bailey in there struggling. And the commentary tried to remind us about the tension that was going on between Sasha and Bailey before, even though we also saw that they had recovered from that and were advancing as the boss and hug connection, but they still wanted to harken back to that, which I guess came into play when Bailey went for a pin and Liv Morgan pushed Sasha on top of Bailey to break up that uh, pin, and they were hoping to cause dissension again. Unfortunately for the Riot Squad, it didn't work. Bailey even uh, covered Sasha uh, to prevent her from getting uh, hit from above by Ruby Riot, and so the tension didn't end up happening. And in the end, Sasha and Bailey did uh, homage moves like the elbow drop from Macho Man from Bailey and the frog splash of Eddie Guerrero's by. Sasha to get the victory. For the first time ever, the NXT Women's Championship was going to be defended on a WWE pay-per-view. Bezer still refused to acknowledge that she was beat by Carrie Zane at SummerSlam weekend and still declared that it was a fluke. Bezer focused a lot of her offense on Carrie's left arm in an attempt to do her submission move later on. At one point, the fight uh, went to the front row, and as it was, they were battling outside, Kari had dumped Shayna over the barricade and into the front row where other NXT women were sitting. Unfortunately, that was a big mistake on her behalf. A part of that group were Baszler's friends, uh, Marina Scherfer and Jessamine Duke, who were part of uh, the MMA Force Horsewomen, who are now part of WWE. This was the opportunity for Baszler's friends to get involved. First, Duke tried to uh, attack Carrie, and then Marina came out and stopped Carrie from going for the top rope, all with the ref being distracted at times. Duke ended up even hitting a cheap shot, which 
Terry stumbled backwards and into Basler's clutch and was put to sleep, giving her the victory and becoming the first ever two-time NXT Women's Championship. The first ever last women's standing match happened next, with Becky Lynch defending the SmackDown Women's title against Charlotte Flair. Becky quickly uh, went to work on Charlotte and brought out a kendo stick, as this match was not going to matter if weapons were used or not. Charlotte, though, countered by putting Lynch through a table with a swanton bomb, and also put Becky threw a ladder and applied the figure eight leg lock. Becky was able to get reach of a chair, a little help from the referee, mind you, and broke the hold to continue the match. Charlotte had control of the match for a while, and Becky decided to take her belt and leave and go through the crowd. Well, Charlotte didn't allow that, and they brawled in the audience. Back at the ringside area, the commentator's table had been cleared off, and Becky was able to jump off a ladder and put Charlotte through it. Unfortunately, that didn't keep Charlotte down either, and Becky knew that she was going to be in trouble and tried to cower away, and she left in fear, but Charlotte went after her with a kendo stick of her own. Charlotte set up a table on the outside and was ready to lay Becky out with a moonsault, but... Becky reversed it, rose up, and powerbombed Charlotte through the table with a move that actually won her the match. In my opinion, this probably should have been the main event. It was truly the match of the night. But the main event was yet to come, as Ronda Rousey defended against Nikki Bella, who had her sister Brie with her at ringside. Surprisingly, this match was not a squash match, as Nikki was able to reverse a lot of Ronda's offense, and also Bree did a lot of distracting to allow Nikki to get the advantage. When Ronda was finally able to make her comeback, she ended up having both Nikki and Bree on her back and did her sort of F5 uh, move. I'm not sure what it's called at the moment. She even put Bree across the announcer's table to get rid of her, and finally she got back into the ring and was able to use her armbar submission on Nikki after a top rope uh, small package. Nikki quickly tapped, and Ronda retained the championship. At the end, Ronda made her way up to the top. We saw Nia Jax watching on a monitor as she's going to be the next contender for Ronda, but at the entranceway, everybody was there waiting for Ronda to arrive and celebrated together as the first ever all-women's pay-per-view came to an end. Overall, this was a really good uh, pay-per-view and possibly one of the better ones that WWE has put out lately. And I think I put it on the Facebook page that this was going to be probably very underrated for what people had envisioned going in, considering they didn't do much hyping for it, and the matches after their big historic announcement on Raw, it kind of fell by the wayside. And I guess it didn't also help, though, they had the controversy of Crown Jewel and all that to deal with, and having to cater to so many different events that they were doing all at one time spreading out the creative and focusing on one event was very difficult. But I would say that this was a very good event. And you'll be looking to see if they continue it every October, since it is the uh, Susan J. Coleman uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month as well that October would probably be the best month to do it if they want to continue this tradition. Or, if it was one and done, then it was uh, worth doing. So we'll see what happens going forward. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. While you're here, take a moment to subscribe, like, share, 
do everything you need to do to get this podcast going out to your friends and family and any wrestling fan that you know. And we'll be back, hopefully, I'm guessing on Thursday, so we can do a quick review and preview of Crown Jewel, knowing what the brackets are going to be as of Monday and Tuesday. And you can join us daily on Facebook with our Scumbags Wrestling group page and our podcast page, along with tweeting us at Scumbags Canada or emailing me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com if you have anything you'd like to see added or have an opinion on what's going on. If you want to be a part of this podcast, that's awesome. Just download uh, the Anchor app and we can uh, arrange a time to be a part of a roundtable discussion and share our thoughts on the wrestling world. I'd like to thank Kill Effect for their music for the opening and closing of our show. I'd like to thank Daniel Coper and Chris Maloney for being a part of the episode as they were part of the Canusa Classic viewing and previewing. And we'll see what happens in the coming days. So until then, thanks for joining me and we'll see you next time. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. bunch of loudmouth scumbags that just want attention. Hold your applause and shut your mouths.